It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. And I actually don't know. It might be both or one, but either way. Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making your way here and checking out the series. And please do hit that subscribe button. I, uh, I put out three new interviews every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so you can keep up with your favorite artists and discover the new ones at all the usual spots including iTunes and Apple Podcasts at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. That's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Feist. We haven't spoken in a while because she hasn't put out a record in a little while. In fact, the new album called uh, Multitudes is her first new record in six years. Uh, we're going to get into Well, she likens it first to uh, the game 52-card pickup. You'll have to listen to hear exactly how and why. Uh, but we'll discuss um, how having kids can show you your own mortality, as well as what she's learned from watching uh, martial art movies and how that applies to the record as well. Leslie's also going to discuss how loss, life, and the unsolvable mysteries make up so much of what she's writing about. And the songwriting group that she was a part of that also included Beck, Mac DeMarco, Adam Cohen, and Damian Rice. So let's jump into it, shall we? We're talking multitudes. It's Kyle Meredith with Feist. Where are what? you? That looks awesome. I'm in, uh, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and this is my basement office. Sometimes I'm at the station, but um, sometimes I'm here surrounded by Bowie and Stipe. And... I know. I'm like, that's a pretty good wall. <laughs> Fonzarelli? Is oh that- yeah, no, that's the Fonz there. Of course, Ren and Stimpy and uh, Jose Gonzalez here. Oh, it was funny. I was like, was that Dave Grohl? But it's- <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this facial hair expression of of men musician will kind of always be Dave Grohl somehow. That's a Dave Grohl thing for you. Yeah. <laughs> but now you know what the the way Fonzie looks. If I just drew a beard on it, that would be Dave Grohl. So. Is he, is he Fonzarellying in his later years? Well, it's just the way this, you know, it's this face right here. That's a, that's what we got. Yeah. That could, that could be Dave Grohl. Just squint a little bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about we, uh, we talk about multitudes. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> it's so great to have you back. Seriously. And I know that you've sort of been sitting on these songs for a, a few years now and to finally hear them. Um, and it's so, you know, if you're not paying attention, sometimes you think, where has an artist gone? And it, it was, I think, like a day before your birthday this year or something, because I saw it coming up on the 
the the rock calendars and all that i was like man is it time for a new feist record i miss it so much <laughs> and then it was it was time for the new feist record so let me just throw it out i love this album congratulations on it it's so good thank you thank you for well for feeling that way <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's jumping right in to the deep end here uh you know you've called it multitudes You've got this album cover that has these multiple versions. You have the tour poster that has these multiple versions of you. What does that represent? I mean, I think that's sort of maybe an obvious question and answer here, but but I guess the other part of it is why. It's funny, as you said that, I kind of saw in my mind's eye all of the imagery you're talking about. And then came to mind the that game 52 pickup from when you're a kid. <laughs> Do you remember 52? Uh -huh. Absolutely. <laughs> Certainly not something I thought on the front end, but now that you mention it, it's like, it's that ruse of we're going to play a game and then someone just scatters the cards everywhere. And that's the, that's the joke, you know, somehow I felt so diffused and so scattered, but it was that uncomfortable transformation where you're actually in touch with your, you know, me as a six-year-old curious about me as a 96-year-old. So the, the uh, lateral versions of myself were were balanced by this sort of this um, deepening versions of myself where I was very uncomfortably having to deal with the kind of velocity of adulthood that was just speeding up and deepening and the pressure was sort of g-force you know um, and so I think I just looked around and I saw because of the pandemic everyone was going through some version of that some multiplication of self you know sort of like subtraction addition division all of a sudden the compression of needing to stay in one place so you know like any um like anything if you try to contain it it just gets more furious you know like a you take a river and you squish it through a dam and that's how you create electricity you know and so everyone was kind of squished into themselves and squished into these rooms with these relationships with these other people everyone being kind of compressed 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 and and that it, it felt like a like a lot came to the surface for everyone, including for myself. So I think it's just maybe now it's time to untangle and let them all be be the multitudes and, and figure out what each of them has to say. I was thinking about what you were just saying there, especially about looking at, you know, the younger version and the older version. It's sort of the same thing. Um, I have a son and he's 15. Um, I don't know if this is part that you can relate to because, you know, we read about, you know, you're having having your own kid these days and and that's one of the things that i've i've loved about parenthood and has also freaked me out is is the time travel that exists all the time because you see i see myself in his various ages and then that reminds me of all the stuff and then it also reminds me of my own mortality you know like someone who whoever said we're just memories for our kids oh shit you know, <laughs> Oh no! Isn't that horrible? And so, and we ha can only laugh because it's so true. Like, what else do you do? I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. And I'm my kid's not 15 yet, but I can see that it's only going to unanswerable mystery is only going to continue and probably deepen because as she becomes more herself, I'm going to become more um, on the timeline in terms of the timeline. I know how weirdly invisible my parents were to me when I was a kid. They mm. were just monoliths 
kind of archetypes. They weren't details. They they didn't have their own desires or needs or interior lives or, de- or, or you know, they were just these monoliths providing nourishment and shelter and annoyance, you know? And, <laughs> and it's just so terrible because the relationship that maybe your son and you could have right now, like he won't have that relationship with you until he's older. Right. Like 15 year old him will have the conversations you wish you were having now, maybe when he has his own 15 year old, you know, it's like, this is the, maybe what I'm talking about unanswerable questions is just so, um, well, it's, it's, it's just a ball peen hammer on the head right now. It's just so, I, I, it is also so overwhelming and I want to meet these questions openly with curiosity, but mostly I'm bracing against how much, uh, this is the variables of adulthood I was talking about, you know. It's just a lot. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Feist. (laughs) And we end up in the same cycles that our parents ended up that they their parents ended up we end up in those same cycles with those relationships which is you know funny it is it's funny just to see it like no matter how much you want to 
I mean, and we change, but uh, no matter how much you, you you might want to break that, once you get in this thing, I feel like you're on you're on you're on the roller coaster with it all. It's the same track. Yeah, and it's this like I said, the velocity of it because it's it's not like you can okay, wait, can we just dial back to thirty seconds ago and just do that again? No, it's just that you're constantly course correcting, and. Yeah, I was watching a movie with martial arts in it yesterday, and I thought it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful um, way to meet that the the idea that you can be in opposition and you and two forces can be coming at one another, but if you do it with the sort of respect for the amount of rigor that you put into your uh, the way you're conducting your velocity, <laughs> someone else has the same. There's you know how enemies can can kind of really respect each other maybe more than anyone else could because they understand what they've been through to get to that point. And, and it's just that fire doesn't, isn't a good uh, quelling of fire and water isn't a good harnessing for water, you know, to find out how to harness the force and uh, create a kind of some kind of push and pull and make it an elastic experience. I mean, I guess this is where songs come in handy because they are an elastic expression of a fixed point in time. You know, they're, they can be just another way to pose the same question. There's certainly not answers. I mean, how could they be? Because who the hell knows what we're doing here? <laughs> but yeah, we look for ourselves in those songs. You know, when we find the artist or the song that, that we that we fall for or or whatever it is. But like, you know, for, for you, you know, again, as I read, you have life and loss that's sort of battling each other on this record. Does, is that helpful in a song? I mean, do, do you find that the songs are in contrast like that throughout the record? What what I think it comes in handy with a body of work is that, you know, maybe I, just like 52 Pickup, I just saw this for the first time, but the body of work means there's there's different parts of the album that are meant to do different things, you know, like the arms and legs and the heart and the brain and the and the anger and the grief and then the reclaiming of hope and all of those things are they serve one another I mean I think luckily if any one of these songs was plucked out of the record I hope that it kind of carries the DNA of the whole which is my intention to try to meet these facts with a, with a, to cultivate some sort of optimism in me or hope or even in loss to try to be in touch with the there's very few experiences in life that give you access to the full, you know, knock the wind right out of you. You cannot continue as you were. And now you get to ex experience the scope and scale of the mystery. You know, to lose someone is the painful version of gaining someone, but it is the same two sides of the same coin. And like you said, it places, it placed me anyway, squarely on the timeline of my own mortality. Like you said, <laughs> Which isn't that isn't that comfortable, but there's something about it, it brings time into focus in the sense that it, I want to work to not waste it. This is where, um, you know, the lateral multitudes and then the, the kind of um, putting roots down and sending shoots up, the kind of deepening of, of the versions of myself that I hope to grow into, you know, who I was, the the. You know, the day my daughter arrived, the day my father left, those those versions of myself won't serve me for what's coming. <laughs> and and I'm thinking about certain songs on the record. Uh, I took my rings off comes up one because what an epic that is musically. And I'll get back to that. But but it starts so small, so personal. 
And then by the end of it, you know, you have the gods lifting you up, <laughs> you know, and I think how, how do you pull something like that? I mean, you do, you, I mean, song, you, you can do it in three minutes, right? That's one of the great things about some, a lot of our favorite songs, but, but, but it is that, and, and I don't know, like those moments happen throughout. Maybe it ties into calling all gods. I mean, I feel like a lot of this all ties in together. It's all one big thread. Maybe how did you write that song? Like, how did it get from that point to that point? I, I, I have no idea. I wish I, <laughs> I can speak to the genesis of, genesis of it was this is actually a really cool, um, very out of the ordinary thing I got to do during the pandemic was some friends invited me to something called Song a Day, which is a kind of a, a game mm-hmm. slash um, like some sort of you know, optimistic, positive peer pressure, because the game is that every this group of people, sort of a loose-knit collection of friends, all kind of radiating outwards from our friend Phil Weinrobe in New York. He's a producer, mixer, engineer in New York. And um, he just invited a, a slew of people over the years. I heard about it, and I said, next time, can I pretty please be invited, you know? And uh, you have to write a song every day for seven days. And that's genesis of the song has to come from that day. I mean, it's sort of, you're, you're sort of, uh, it's the honor system. You can't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sure. There, I had theories as to some people's were too good. I thought you couldn't have come up with that today. We're so actualized, so fleshed out. that I was like, come on, you can't be that good. If you're that good, then I don't want to do this with you anymore. <laughs> but uh, like Adam Cohen, oh boy, Leonard Cohen's son is, is oh, a yeah. remarkable songwriter. He's, he's just a crazy songwriter. And um his way with words has has this like real elegance to it Damien Rice also was a part of it Beck was a part of it that was really annoying too because he's <laughs> really you know you could tell it was in his bathroom or something and it would just be this like that should be a record Mac DeMarco was uh was also his sounded like it just he could just take his seven and turn it into an album the next day you know but the point being that uh to search in a way that isn't about sitting and wondering and worrying. You know, I had an infant and I have no time and I don't want to be disqualified because the rule is that you get to listen. If you send your song in, then that day, say Monday, you've sent it in. Um, you Phil would make a SoundCloud of everyone's completed songs and you could listen. There was a kind of a sacred vow that you wouldn't let anyone listen. If anyone was in the house with you, you'd put headphones on. There's nobody except the people involved in the same exercise could listen and then you have that day to write another one so there's just this sort of you know uh, mm-hmm. momentum starts to build up and um and after a few days you re- you I realized that any amount of really um uh, any tension that I brought into that exercise did not serve me it had to be kind of just open myself up to pretend a song already was written okay just come up with a good title something that I would want to hear or sing about and then just almost stream of consciousness. So I would put a dictaphone in front of me and almost, you know, just kind of as if you're running through a field with a butterfly net, just see what, what went in and rings off is a, is actually something that I've done for years on, on the full moon. I take all the metal off my body and I take it off and I put it outside underneath um, the moon on a rock or on the grass. And, and the idea is just it, whatever. I mean, it's just a little bit of, uh, superstition that some anything that's residing and you know it's like when people cut their hair off and they just feel kind of fresh again you know sure. 
So I actually the night before had taken all my rings off. And, but but it speaks to a desire to come at um come at my um the energy that I bring into the, the next month being more intentional to not carry forward anything that stuck to me, any tendencies or negative negativity or or just the charge of a certain lens that I'm looking at the world through, just shake it all off. So, so that's how that song began was in that kind of open aperture of wanting to receive something that I could get in to qualify me for the next day of song a day, you know, and it was, uh, it was there in, in its entirety by the end of that day. Um, and in fact, I, I remember sending the voice memo in to fill that day that said the, um, I took all of my rings off, 3:53 p.m. to 4:17 p.m. like it it showed up in you know uh like 23 minutes or something and i wanted to kind of register that in the log of song a day that that was um part of its simplicity you know because it certainly hadn't been arranged into what ended up on the album yeah i still can't imagine beck or mac or adam or anybody came up with anything that good that day <laughs> Because that song is so good. But also it makes sense to me now. It's not, you know, in the way I put it, that it started somewhere and ended somewhere, knowing that the rings were there calling on the gods. I mean, it's all right there at once, you know. So it's it's not this long arc as so much. It is sort of an explosion of a moment. I kind of like that better. That's really I like that. a lot more lovely. Yeah. 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 I mean, because the arrangements, for the most part, when you clad a song, you know, sort of like a, a brand new stick man that you've come up with, and then you clad it with its musculature and with its, you know, with the clothes that kind of belong for the occasion that it's meant to go towards, you know, like calling all the gods is going somewhere very different than love who we are meant to. And Red Wing is, was born on a completely different continent and wants to stay there in that ecosystem, you know? So each each song when they're born in this like filament ultra simple form to then arrange them outwards so that they belong on an album they really do uh they do tell me exactly what what um arrangements would belong or best serve it i mean that's kind of why i started with not any drums because i feel that sometimes when there's a rhythm driving a song then the rhythm innate in guitar my guitar playing it sort of becomes like locked to a metronome and uh and I, that's not always the case of course sometimes songs love having rhythm at, as the backbone but in this case probably because I was alone away from any players to workshop or shed anything with through the pandemic the rhythm really became all simpler it was a nylon string guitar for the most part I I, I kind of made myself a student of my right hand becoming a little more active in terms of arpeggiation or any kind of finger picking and everything became a more subtle mm -hmm. so um yeah so outwards from there it was the arrangements were it was just sort of a listening process more than a throwing at the kitchen sink at them you know yeah. the guitar was really noticeable it's something i wrote down too like that the acoustic played such a playful and 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 laid back role uh, in contrast to what your albums were previous, like it sounded very different. This sounded like a new style altogether, almost. And it's it, and that was just necessity. It sounds like. Yeah, there was some intention behind that, and uh, yeah, I think there was something about also having made records and toured them a bunch of times now. 
I wanted, I, I know, I know what it feels like when I'm eight months in and I've been, I've been playing the same songs for a while and some of them end up sort of trickling down to the bottom of the set list until they just sort of like slither out and we leave them behind in a, in like Louisville, Kentucky's dressing room or something. We just don't bring them <laughs> to the next town because I just, there's something about them that I just don't feel challenged by or feel interested to continue to uh, encounter every night. So, um, so I, I think I was actively trying to write ideas that were um, open-ended enough, but maybe rooted in those deeper um, unsolvable mysteries um, in terms of lyrics. But then guitar-wise, I really wanted to push myself to have to get better through the, through the touring that is to come. You know, I felt like if I'm going to be playing every night, I want to be te- kind of uh, boot camping my hands to to do something that they're not already, you know, it it isn't like I can close my eyes and just pull all of that off the way that I will be at the end of my boot camp of touring. You, know? <laughs> you have the faith in yourself, it really is. Um, I, I I so look forward to hearing what these songs are like. I know you've been playing some of them, you know, in the rounds previously in the previous years. Um, but I'm in love with this record, and um, it's just such a beautiful record that I just want to live inside for a long time. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I'm so glad that you're back. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be back. I appreciate yeah. it so much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, the last time Feist and I spoke was uh, back in 2017 when she released her, uh, most, her previous record, Pleasure, itself the first record she put out in six years, which, you know, seems to be, uh, seems to be her mode. Uh, so I'm going to include that interview here as well as we talk about uh, defying artist expectations and trying out different sounds and so much more, including uh, her trip to Africa. Uh, part two of Kyle Meredith with Feist. Hi. Uh, I really do like this record, though. Um, it, you know, everybody's talked about the the contrast of it, how it was a bit jarring the first time we heard it, and I know that's sort of been one of the big hooks of this. You know, as I read more and more about you explaining this, I love how you talk about that the sound was made judged on how the song was to be delivered, and how do you feel something like that out? I mean, where does that conversation start? Did you understand what this record was actually going to be like before you started the sessions? Um, not sonically. Like, I wasn't aware of how it was going to end up sounding at the end. You know, sort of like, you know, when someone's baby's born, you know they're going to look a little like the mom and a little like the dad, but you're not going to necessarily know what that face is going to be until they're in front of you, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, the parts were, I, I knew what the the makings of it, the you know, the structural makeup of it but how it ended up sounding was it was a little bit like at the end oh hi that's how you sound okay <laughs> you know that wasn't the primary concern well it's, it's interesting because you know the bare bones of the music really does convey your emotions on this and and that's usually the lyrics that are you know the catalyst there or, or the you know the automobile or whatever you want to say there uh to and they further your point but it really does feel like the sound is just as important for getting the point of the song across this time. And I guess that's why I love it so much, too. Well, great. I mean, it, I think that the, the way it ended up sounding was a necessary, like, like you said. I, I feel that, the, 
you know, the material and the, the, the sort of thematic meaning or what I was aiming at explaining or not explaining or talking about, um, the it, choice of instruments was always a direct reflection of that as the as the main motivation, you know. And what about the collaboration? Which I guess should be the case. It should be the case, right? <laughs> it should be the case. Yes, it's not always uh, the like, case. We need a drummer just because there's always got to be a drummer. It's yeah. like you no, know, that wasn't that wasn't the way we well, approached it. That is the way most bands approach it too. You know, I don't. They don't put that type of thought into it. And that's the other thing, you know, when you you hear the song, because the first song we heard with Pleasure and, and even Century, when you get those songs out there, it's one thing. But this is one of those records that makes much more sense as a whole than just with, you know, here's the single. In choosing what songs to begin with, there was no thought of single. I mean, I don't feel that that's a world that I, that this record belongs in necessarily. And it was more like, what's the first song to enter people into this album you know what i mean it was like what's a good introduction and in a way pleasure is the first song on the album so it was the first song we put out and that was the main thought behind it you know is sort of what's the gateway what's the door you're going to go in and the hope is you go in and into the entire album you know what i mean because i I feel it's difficult to pluck single songs out of i I mean i i guess they can survive on their own they're resilient (laughs) enough to survive on their own but the, the hope would be that one song would lead you to the rest there's one song towards the end that I wonder if I'm reading into a little bit more than I should, uh, because just the title alone, I'm Not Running Away, seemed like the perfect statement, you know, for the time spent gone and, and what this record meant to you. And I guess that's the question. Am I putting something there that's not there, uh, or is that something that you can also use in multi-dimensions? Probably both, but there is some lesson in staying you know and staying and sort of taking a good look and feeling the scope of whatever it is you might tend to want to run from you know but actually and in you know in your the typical thing when you're having a dream and something's chasing you the moment you turn around and face it then it it kind of evaporates you know uh and the importance of collaborations uh you know i'm looking at the few people that you've worked with on this record and thinking again when i listen to it it just sounds so personal and and sometimes brittle and and sometimes very strong too but you know when you're collaborating with someone i don't know it's like giving some of your soul to another person to handle with something like this yeah so it's lucky that i also have their souls (laughs) (laughs) i mean those the, the 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 two main people that i made this record with are people that i've worked with for i mean all that's i've I mean, Renaud Letton, he he uh, made Let It Die with me before I even knew we were making an album. You know, we were, I was just demoing with a couple of friends in Paris in between other things. You know, it wasn't, there was, it was not really a thought in my mind. I, I think in a way he knew of it before I did, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I have over the years recognized as, a, a, you know, an identifying for me, like a, almost like a fingerprint of what I do has been made by him. You know, it's been created by his mixes and his choices and his engineering and, you know, production choices. And that's been, like, such an embedded collaborative, collaborative, like, sort of pivot upon which I've done everything I've done that, you know, a person like that or, like, Maki, who who played all the instruments with me. And it, similarly, I've worked with a lot and we've done a lot over all the all the albums. And on his albums, I work on his albums, you know. There's, there's an... It's like that thing when you're with someone you know so well that in a way you're almost alone still. You know, there's just a zero self-consciousness and a real symbiotic kind of co-owning of every decision. And 
and yeah, so very few people, but like of a very deep understanding, you know. Switching gears a little bit, you traveled to Africa at some point during all this. Uh, I guess I read a little thing about that, and I was sort of wondering if there was an impact on that trip, if that was more than just a tourist trip, if you were looking for something else to, as you're sort of getting away from the music game for a minute. Yeah, checking in with what real life is, you mean? Sure. Well, I don't, you know, Africa isn't even <laughs> yeah. so much real life to me. It's it's a very, it's a storybook to me, but yeah. I know, I know. And it's so real when you're over there. It's like, oh, right, we we presume this is reality, but there are so many versions of that. But I I've, I was so fortunate to go. I work a little bit <clears throat> with a, an NGO called Dignitas who support, um, they support all, uh, you know, HIV and AIDS research and and getting free meds to people and changing the stats in this, in particularly in a country called Malawi. And a couple of my friends um, has been working with them for years, and they said, we go every year, you, should, you just need to come. You need to come and just, like, tuck in behind us and come with us around and, we'll, you know, just sort of be a fly on the wall. So it was the ultimate invitation, you know, to be able to be there to learn and be there to observe things and, and, and not be obliged to make a quick, not to know anything, you know, and just to, you know, it's, it's better to introduce yourself to something so vast as an entire continent and not to presume to arrive immediately knowing what you're supposed to be doing, if anything, you know. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was beautiful and humbling and massive and expanding, and I'm so grateful I got to go. It's something to shake you out of your shell of the home life, yeah. if nothing else. But uh, to be part yeah, of a cause shake, like that, shake me out of the yeah, shake me out of my presumptions that uh, that I'm entitled to everything that I have because it's <clears throat> just the luck of the draw that I happen to be born here, be born into the family I was. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a privilege I had fresh perspective on coming back. You know, yeah. Um, possible broad strokes <laughs> aside, did any of that make it into the record? Was there anything about that that sort of found itself on this record? Um, I went on a I went on a big trek at the end. I walked a hundred kilometers with those friends on this big plateau filled with wild animals. It was beautiful. We walked for five days, and I think I was on those long walks, you know, eight hours a day in most stunning landscape. I, I think that I was, you know, had a little notebook like hung, hanging around my neck essentially, and was was uh, finding lyrics and working on lyrics as I walked for sure. Yeah. Lots of time with no, nothing in the way, you know. So it's there. It's all there. Probably. Oh, that's so cool. I love the results. I'm happy you came back and, and, and did this and decided to keep doing this. Uh, I know that oh, was, thank you. was probably <laughs> up for... Be, good to be wanted. Yeah, well, it's probably <laughs> up for question for yourself for at least a moment there from the sound of things. But uh, but uh, I, I love what you're doing and, and what you've always done. So thank you so much uh, for the album and for the interview today. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And while we're here, we might as well include the first time Feist and I spoke. Uh, this one goes back to 2011 when she just put out the record called Metals. And not only did we get to talk about that record, but we also talked about Sexy Canadians and the time she collaborated with Mastodon and the metal band. Part three of Kyle and Meredith with Feist. Well, hey, congratulations on uh, a huge year. It looks like a heck of a way to finish this all out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we ended with a bang last week in Mexico City, so, yeah. yeah. Been enjoying now the tour photos, and, and now you're getting uh, some nice end-of-year lists. Of course, the latest news was uh, New York Times. That's pretty huge. That's right. Because here it is. It's been four years since your last record, 
and you come back to all of these uh, accolades, really. Yeah, it's uh, not something I necessarily uh, expected. I suppose I was, I was, um, you know, battening myself down for a little bit of a tougher come, you know, return from a few years away, and and uh, no, it's been a, it's been a pretty giant surprise that everything still seems to be there, you know. Right. Uh, so when you were doing that, and you said kind of battening down, um, this, this is a different record than the last time you were here. Well, different time, yeah. <laughs> a lot of things are different. But, um, yeah, I kind of liken it to if, if my favorite author, whose book I loved and whose story transported me and some incredible novel that I that made me crave to read their next book, and if I opened that next book and the story was basically the same but with sort of, you know, a different time of day or different season or same characters but wearing different clothes or something, I'd probably feel sort of ripped off. So right. I kind of figure that it's the best thing possible to just make a completely new story, you know? Well, and it's a great story, but that's also got to be, you know, kind of one of those uh, iffy kind of moves for any artist. Like, all right, you know, I'm not going to do what people think I'm going to do. Well, I don't really know what they would think I was going to do. I mean, there there is a sort of pinpoint of awareness that was around, you know, one, two, three, four, and like sort of one song that for me was just a tiny piece of what I've done for so many years. And and um, there, there was people who were coming to the shows, of course, who knew me via that song, but mm-hmm. I'd always like to think that once they were in the door, there there was more to the whole picture than one song. So... So as, as in terms of wondering what the expectations might be, is it was a, it was a little hard for me to imagine that people wanted would have wanted a repeat of like one little element of the whole picture, you know? <laughs> right, right. So so with so much time in between, was there ever that sense of urgency? Did you ever stop and think, man, it has been longer than the usual cycle? I guess. <laughs> um, well, I guess for me it was. I know from the outside it looks a little bit like a four year pause or something but two of those years were on the on tour and then and then you know it was kind of average in between albums is one or two years so i actually feel like it was it was sort of the proper length of time to clean my kind of mental palette and, <laughs> and be curious to start again and and start you know start with a fresh slate i kind of wanted to lose all my muscle memory and you know the way my hands kind of the habits they'd grown playing those all those same songs for five six seven years so mm-hmm. it was nice to kind of when i finally came back to the guitar and picked it up my hands didn't have any go-tos and sort of they began from scratch and so did so did songwriting and i guess this album is is tied uh, from all the interviews I've read in the past, I mean, it's really tied into this relationship that you were a part of. Oh, oh, well, that's of course that's <laughs> that's the song, bad in each other. Right, right. I right. mean, there of course, I mean, there's always going to be a, a part of what I do. Is, you, know, you can't help but see things from your own perspective. But there's also something that you get to a certain point where you've had some friends for it feels like your entire adult life, you know, and <laughs> and you see them sort of falling into the same patterns as you do and you have more perspective on their lives maybe than your own and they certainly have more on your more perspective on your life than maybe you do at different times and you you must have some of those friends that within your circle of friends there's always someone who's on the upswing and someone who's like battling the downswing and and as you kind of for me in my case I just started to really feel that there were some patterns that were universal to all of us these same these same cycles were going on for me as the same as for all these people close to me so in a way i tried to put a little bit of a narrator's eye on on what would otherwise be completely subjective <laughs> <laughs> right right but when you're writing like that and when you are coming from a personal side of things 
Uh, is there ever that awareness? And especially, I mean, at this point in your career, you're, you're speaking to a, a pretty big mass of people, uh, knowing that they're going to be picking over your personal life and maybe not directly thinking of you, but uh, in the end, uh, <laughs> you know, the things they are looking at deeply in your songs are, are really a part of your life. Yeah, I, I suppose that... I suppose that maybe songwriting is a lens, you know, it's not necessarily the the absolute truth, because I think that would be a little less interesting, you know, it's kind of, it's like the paint by numbers versus some kind of painter who puts his own, you know, his own uh, personality inside it, and and I guess if I was writing on Tuesday, I felt this, and on Wednesday, <laughs> I felt that, it would, be, it would be a little bit too literal to be interesting to me. Right, right. You know, my dad told me yesterday, I had this, I heard that, that, Michelangelo could draw a perfect circle, and they say it's a sign of genius if you can draw a perfect circle. And my dad said, no, that actually the genius is in how the circle is imperfect, and the place where it's not perfect is actually where your personality is. So, so there's, there's something about like not trying to be too literal, not trying to be too specific, you know. And that for me is a little more interesting. Um, a few other interesting points of your year: you are uh, officially a part of the uh, the Muppet Saga. Oh, yeah. That's got to be awesome, yeah. even for a split second. It was amazing. It was awesome. It's the world's briefest cameo, but I suppose <laughs> that's that's the nature of the cameo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what the cameo got me was in, in the golden door, you know, it was the golden ticket to get to see the behind the scenes of the making of a Muppet movie. So yeah. I just felt like a, the six-year-old that I was when I first discovered the Muppets, just lucky to be there, you know. Oh, I believe you'll be the star of the next one. It's going to happen. I'll, I'll clap Put my the hands. word out, maybe. You never know. <laughs> and, and the other side, and the very much the flip side of the coin, uh, you're going to be the uh, the queen of the metal scene very soon. Oh my God! What a task! What a what a insurmountable mountain to try to cover Mastodon. We're working on it right now, and it's. I'm trying to figure out what song even. I haven't figured that out even yet. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I, I hugely admire them, and I kind of come from that world. That's where I cut my teeth when I was 15, 16, I was going to metal shows, and my first band was, you know, our guitar player probably would have wanted to be in Mastodon if Mastodon had existed at the time, you know? So it definitely speaks to me. When I saw them play at Jules Holland, when that's how I, I first was introduced to them, was we played this television show in England together, and... And uh, it was just like right went right to my bones, and then after the show, we kind of had this, oh man, we should do something, you know, which didn't seem like it was going to happen, but now it looks like it's going to happen. They announced it on MTV, so now it's happening. <laughs> That's the greatest way, greatest way of making things happen. To say I know, public. I yeah. know. I thought that was fantastic. I, I I was literally doing some interviews with New Zealand and Mexico and Singapore, like all like places on the planet that are nowhere near each other, and the first interview mentioned it and the second interview mentioned it and I was sort of stuck inside the <laughs> interviews feeding in one into the other and then and I, I literally was told by these journalists all over the world that this Mastodon thing was happening and as soon as they were finished I went on on the, the internet and found the footage of the guy saying it was happening and that was that was that afternoon that he'd announced it so I was like okay it's happening I know some artists when they decide to do uh, different sounds could you ever see yourself doing um, even a side project where you do revisit you know the days where you're cutting your teeth doing something like that absolutely and actually this afternoon I spent uh, jamming with this amazing a Canadian band that I, I grew up hugely loving called Sloan. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, we love Sloan. It was one yeah. of my formative years were spent trying to learn Sloan riffs. So they just asked and invited me to come play with them tomorrow night. And, and I was in the jam spot playing these Sloan riffs and, and not having to be the singer. And it was 
maybe the most fun I've had in years. So, so I did ask them if I could join the band today. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw them actually here in the FPK studio in Louisville, and uh, they were doing uh, "Who Taught You to Live Like That," and it was that breakdown where they're all doing the harmonies at once, and it blew my mind. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, they're amazing. They're like kind of the Canadian original rock band, like yeah. the one from you know that would have been just like 10 years earlier than me. So by the time I was 15, they were in full swing and, and they were, you know, the the biggest thing in Canada as far as I was concerned. <laughs> and very underappreciated over here. Yeah, a lot of Canadian bands have that problem. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of uh, interesting Canadian things, um, so the the awards happened the uh, a few weeks ago, I guess, and uh, another FPK favorite, Dan Mangan, Sexiest Artist. Do you know about this? Oh, Do you know who Dan I Mangan didn't know. is? Which awards were those? I, I don't know. It's one of the, I guess, big Canadian awards. I don't know what it is. but uh, Oh, but we know Dan. Yeah. Wow. And well, I started thinking. And you guys know about him, so that's a good sign. <laughs> What's well, so I was thinking is, is that sexy in Canada? Nothing against Dan. He's a great looking guy, but you just don't well, think Well, I have to tell him. you, I have no idea what he looks like, but I suppose if, if, if the masses have spoken, then, then they must be right. He's probably wearing plaid, <laughs> which, which as Canadians we find really attractive. So. And a beard. He's got the beard. <laughs> He probably has a beard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, just a little bit rustic, and uh, you know, looks like he could chop wood. Yeah, you've got yeah. it all, really. That's it. You've, you've really it, well. So. There you go. Yeah, so right. that's why we consider him the sexiest man in Canada. <laughs> Explains. I'd it probably all. agree if I saw a picture of him. Yeah, he's out there. He's ready for you. The last thing I'll bring up too is that uh, that Beck's re- that Beck remix is is really really awesome. I actually heard it for the first time today. Oh, right on. And you get your uh, you get your songs remixed quite a lot, which I find you know I I don't think you're the usual artist that would get their music remixed, but it always ends up interesting. Do you actually seek out, you know, to 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 get your own songs remixed? Um, I have in the past. I mean, I remember seeking out Boys Noise, and that was fantastic. And Maki, a close collaborator of mine, years ago, did a Mushaboom remix that I I kind of wanted to hear what what the Maki that I know from his own music what what he would do and. Um, Canadian rapper Chaos. I was kind of curious what would happen with that, but a lot of the other ones just sort of come. I suppose if you have that skill, as a, if you are able to remix things, then then probably you. I mean, those like people like Postal Service or or um, I can't even think of many of the others. Someone like Beck, mm-hmm. probably who it's second nature to him to be able to you know make something even cooler than it originally was. Then you probably you seek out stuff that would be unlikely, you know? So it's, it's, it's all on them that the people, interesting people seek out my songs. I feel lucky because I don't know how to do that kind of thing. And my thanks again to Feist. The new record is called Multitudes. Thanks to you for checking out the episode in the series. Again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three interviews a week to keep you up to date on your favorite artists and discover the new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's right. I do a show Monday through Friday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. That's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social medias, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. I'm going to cultivate acting otherwise. Fake it till yeah. you make it. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.